Hello, family, and welcome to Kingwood Methodist. In John 4.23, Jesus states that a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. As we gather at church and open God's Word, we are not just coming together for the sake of gathering, but also to learn the truth of God and how we can grow to love God with our whole heart, mind, soul, and strength. As we continually surrender our lives to the Word of God by the power of the Holy Spirit, we become the type of worshipers our Heavenly Father seeks. Let's dive in together. I invite you to remain standing for the reading of the Scripture today, which comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 13, verses 1 through 17. Hear now the word of the Lord. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured a water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. I want us all to read verse 8 to get a sense of this. Just verse 8 together. You ready? No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. And Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. For Jesus knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said not everyone was clean. And when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. This is the Word of God for you and me, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated, and as you are, let's pray together. Well, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, help us to know these things and to do them. And eternal God, show us your word now and your covenant in your word, your grace within your covenant, your goodness within your grace, 
and your love and your goodness and yourself and your love and all in the face of Jesus Christ in whose name we pray. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. We had just moved back from North Carolina and finished getting my master's degree, was about to serve in the first church under full-time appointment. It was a rocky start as in the midst of the transition there was a delay. We actually needed to move in with my sister. They had a three-bedroom, two-bath house. We had four kids and two families in the house. We look back on those four weeks and think it was the most blessed, crazy time in our lives. When we had come back, we actually had um, my mom and sister fly back with Micah, and Megan was just a newborn, so Sean and I drove back with her, and um, it was reported to us that when Micah got back to Plano, that obviously they got there ahead of us, um, Jenny said, my sister said, well, Micah, it's time to take a bath, and he said, no. My mom said I didn't have to take a bath till she got back. <laughs> in that new environment, Janie, having already raised two kids, knew it wasn't worth the battle. Got a big blanket next to him and a big pillow. And she said that's where he slept that night, right? That's where his comfort place was. We had so many transitions in the midst of all that we were doing, but one thing that my mom was always so good about was hey, she'd moved a few times before and she had far more understanding and empathy than I did. I mean, we just moved boxes, but we finally moved Micah, Megan, everybody into this house that we're renting. It's the first appointment. And as an as associate, you get, um, well, as an associate in your first appointment, you need to understand that the last line of your job description says everything and other related responsibilities as to be determined. At the associate pastor, youth director position at First Methodist Louisville, I learned that was I went to get my Class B CDL air brake approved, went to be trained to uh, lead disciple Bible study when it came online. I went to the walk to Emmaus. I was the youth director. I taught two disciple Bible study classes during the evenings during the week, one during the week, youth on Sunday. I was so busy, busy, busy. My mom, in her infinite wisdom, had Eugenio and Antonio Come help at the house. Ahenio and Antonio, some of you may remember about three and a half years ago, Ahenio was at that time, had finished his course of being the elected bishop of the Methodist Church in Bolivia. He was a person who was a Quechua Indian by birth, but he knew Aymara on the Altiplano, so he spoke Spanish, Quechua, and Aymara in Bolivia. He brought the people together. He was actually elected bishop as a layperson, was ordained deacon one night, elder the next night, and then subsequently consecrated bishop. Hadn't happened since Thomas Koch and William Asbury. And he led the church beautifully. He fled for his life for months on end because he could unify people with language. He was an part of the, by birth, masses of the poor, but he was educated. And so he lived on a motorcycle and never stayed more than two nights in any one place for three years as the government sought his life because he was just a threat. He led the church magnificently, and then he came back to finish his education after he was a bishop. Maybe that's why he led so well. But he wanted to finish that. So 
Um, he's my padrino, my godfather, his son Alex. I'm a padrino to him, which is his godfather. And so um, I walk into the house, and here is Antonia and Ajeno, El Bispo, as I called him. Um, and, and I look over, and, and Antonia is busily helping with uh, getting the clothes and boxes out. And I look across the way, and at the ironing board was El Bispo, the bishop. He, back, back in the day, in the 1990s, remember the big fad was those khaki 100% cotton pants, right? And, and, and he was ironing those. And I said, Bishop, 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 no, 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 no. You don't iron clothes, you're the bishop. And he said this to me, I'll never forget, he said, but Bert, if it needs to be done, why should I not do it? It needs to be done. Why should I not do it? A man who's faced adversity that I'll never know has led the church to a level that was magnificent was ironing my pants. Now, that's the only time in my life that a bishop has ironed my pants when I wasn't wearing them. <laughs> but it's been a model all our life and all my life to understand what it means to grow up as the parents of missionaries who, who set aside what it means for personal comfort to serve where God leads I lived such a sheltered and naive life. I was exposed to multiple cultures before the seventh grade. I'd been on two different continents, uh, all kinds of people coming in. I, I, was just, I was just so naive that we just do what needs to be done. I was raised as a preacher's kid that if we went to church and the church was dirty, guess who cleaned it? The preacher's kid, all right? And man, my pay was fantastic. My mom was brilliant. She said, you go with your dad. If he needs you to work, then, you know, I'll give you a couple of dollars. Well, as a kid, that's amazing. I've always been nurtured by that, but, but it's always been a struggle for me to remember that this is the way of Jesus. Because it's so easy to fall into the idea that I don't do certain things because of who I am. One of the beautiful benefits of church as a community of faith is it invites us all into a place of service. And one of the most magnificent understandings of who we are together, I think, comes for me from also the redwood forest of California where these majestic redwoods stand so tall. But do you know that the only reason they are able to stand as tall as they are is because their roots are deeply connected to to the ground, but to each other, right? This is a community together. And so we don't serve in isolation. We serve together. The sense in the Greek of this word of servant is doulos. It's, it's one who willingly serves in the sense of being like a, a bond servant. Some translation would say be a slave. But the imagery that's cast here sometimes is elusive to us. Have you ever wondered uh, where the church got Monday Thursday from? It's from here. Monday Thursday is modeled after what the Gospel of John has as the central figure of Jesus with the disciples during that last week. Matthew, Mark, and Luke institute Holy Communion. What's curious is John mentions the preparations for the Passover meal 
John will later mention Judas Iscariot by name as the one who dips his uh, cracker into the cup with him, but he doesn't have the meal. Now, John is either assuming we all know there was a meal happening and that Matthew, Mark, and Luke got it covered, so he wanted a different focus. Or John said, you know, one of the most important things that we need to remember is what it means to serve others. In Jesus' time, uh, you had sandals that you would wear all over the place, and one of the very customary things would be that as you entered into a house, there would be a place for you to take off your sandals and wash your feet. If a household were a little more affluent, they would actually have a dedicated servant, someone who was dedicated to washing your feet. And so don't miss the hierarchical parallel that Jesus is talking about here, that the servant isn't greater than the one who sent. That Jesus voluntarily chooses to take off his outer garment. He would have a tunic sort of wrapped around his waist, takes off his outer garment, and he moves to the feet of each disciple. And thank goodness for Peter, right? Peter who, who confesses, you're the Lord, and then says, no, that's not the way it's supposed to be. Peter who says, well, don't wash just my feet, wash all of me. And Jesus says, no, you, you, the whole body doesn't be clean, just the feet. Now, Augustine, early in the life of the church, began to understand in the 400s what this meant. You've ever heard of the venial sins that are within the Roman Catholic tradition? This is the bedrock of that, the idea that a venial sin within Roman Catholic tradition is not a mortal sin. A mortal sin is far greater, uh, but a venial sin is something that can be forgiven. So this is the basis scripturally where Tertullian and Augustine and the early church fathers base this, that it's also for us as Protestants, as we confess our sin, we don't have to be rebaptized, but we come to this place to be forgiven and reminded of God's forgiveness. And Jesus reminds Peter that, and he moves to his feet. And did you notice who, whose feet Jesus washed? It was real subtle in the text. Was it just Peter? Was it just Matthew? Was it just Mark? Was it just Luke? Who else was at that table at that time? Judas. Wow. He washed the feet of the one who would betray him. And as I often tell you, just listen to the text. It will tell you all that you need to know. At the beginning of the text, it says clearly, Jesus knew that his time was drawing near and the Father had placed all things under his control and he would be returning to the Father. This wasn't a surprise to Jesus. He voluntarily and willingly chose to serve and wash the feet of the one who would betray him. And then, and then he says that amazing thing at the end. Do you know what I've done for you? Another translation says, do you understand? Do you comprehend what I've done for you? I've knelt at the feet of each of you. And if I as Lord and Savior are going to kneel at the feet, I think the text said this, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. I want to wrap up by thinking about that verse of you'll be blessed if you do them. We have so westernized and manipulated and exploited the concept of biblical blessing that I don't think we can even see straight on this. Being blessed in a biblical understanding is not affluence. 
is not ease of life, is not everything's wonderful. Being blessed in a biblical understanding is a being called to something greater than yourself, purposeful, that gives you the power to kneel at the feet that will betray you and wash them. That will allow you to be continually following the will of God when you don't understand and don't comprehend it. Knowing that God is good and all the time when everything is falling apart. This is what it means to be blessed. Do you remember the Beatitudes? Blessed are the peacemakers. I don't know if you checked out lately, but peacemaking is not an easy business in the world. Right? Blessed are the poor in spirit. What do you mean the poor in spirit? And then it wraps up with, blessed are you when men persecute you, revile you, and utter all sorts of false things against you. Wait a minute, Jesus, that's not the blessing I was looking for. I was wanting to go more along the line of the Mega Millions blessing. You know, pick the right numbers and woo, we're good. And I'll even pay off some church debt if I win. It means that you're blessed to be connected with a kind of strength and power and love of God that'll let you serve anywhere, anytime, and even kneel at the feet of those that betray you. Now, our homework and our action item this week in the midst of the series is we are in the art of neighboring. And what does it mean to be a neighbor? It means that we serve wherever we're needed. As we started it on the, on the road from Jerusalem to Jericho, whoever is in need is your neighbor. As we learn what it means from the biblical understanding to serve others and why we do it. And this week, as we move towards the close, the end of next week, there are paper bags out there and there is a directional sheet on the very front. I think Clint even put a QR code on there as well. It's always great to give this stuff to the younger clergy because they come up with really creative stuff. I just have to remind them that the font has to be at least 12 pent calibre, nothing smaller. But it, it literally tells you exactly what you need to do. And all you're going to be invited to do is to ask that your neighbor, uh, you can drop the bag there. If, if they don't want it, you can just say, if, if it's not the right time for you, just put it in your recycling bin. Uh, but if they put something in the bag, they would set the bag outside the door. You would collect it next week. Uh, it's kind of an open house at society, if you would. We'll have it set up with the doors open. There'll be people from society there. You'll have a chance to come by and see. Because we have marvelous folks that serve our neighbors in that place. But given the challenge that we have, it's time for us to be deeply rooted together. It's time for us just to come together and let our community know. And friends, everywhere in our community that hears about what happens, they all are willing and wanting to do something. What a great opportunity for help you get connected to who your neighbor is and to help know that we're called to serve wherever it is and whatever it looks like. I looked across that room and I wondered on that day, as a newly ordained clergy in my very first appointment, would I be willing to set aside everything and do the same for others? And every time I'm challenged to say, am I willing to do what needs to be done? I simply remember that moment in the words of the bishop. El bispo. But Bert, if it needs to be done, why shouldn't I do it? Let's pray together. God, help us to understand these words of your scripture. 
Help us to at least let it um, seep into our being. Help us recognize that there's nothing here that's any kind of surprise to Jesus, that all of the imagery within the Hebrew understanding of someone lowering themselves is contrary to even what we would do today for we think of certain status and positions doing certain things. And yet in Christ, you call all of us to the foot of the cross where the ground is level to reach out and serve our neighbor, whoever they are. So help us understand that message and just to do what needs to be done, what lies ahead of us. And help us understand that when we do that, the blessing comes because we know we're connected to you and what you call from us and ask for us and your presence that never can be taken from us. So help us, oh God, to move into the world in this day, confident of your presence and full of understanding of what it means to follow Christ and to serve our neighbor. For these things we pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And all of God's people did say, Amen. The most important thing to us at Kingwood Methodist Church is that you're an active disciple of Christ growing in your faith. So wherever you are, maybe you've got questions and you think, well, I've got to get these questions sorted out before I can take a next step forward. I want to encourage you to know wherever you are, God's going to meet you. And God loves you enough not to leave you where he finds you. He wants to grow you in the faith. Any of us as pastors would love to sit down. Some of you may have noticed that I don't just do the open appeals for people just to come join the church. I've decided that it's too important. It's too important that we should say just, oh, if it feels like, oh, maybe it's indigestion. Come on down. We believe the core aspect of the faith is so critical. We want to know who you are. We want to know where to get you connected. We want to know how to get you in the best possible position to grow that faith. So we would love to have you be a member. But most importantly, we want you to be connected to Christ and grow in that faith. Thank you.